people making noise outside. How you doing there? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're starting the fine test. Daf 79 of Masech Luxubis, friends. Daf 79 is pretty close to Daf 80. And Daf 80 means that we're up to Daf 80. That's a lot of Daf's of Masech Luxubis, friends. Luxubis is getting a shtickle complicated these days. No, what do you want me to tell you? I mean, it's getting a shtickle, uh, gotta take out our brains. <laughs> Friends, today we're talking about Nixay Malug. Oh man, Nixay Malug, I better stretch on that, excuse me. A little stretch, a little babble yawn, Rabbi Stroll. Alright, so we're going to talk about different aspects of Nixay Malug today. It's, I mean, it's interesting stuff, you know, it's not exactly the quickest moving material in the world, but it's interesting nonetheless, let's go weiter. We end off Ein Chesim Abayz, three lines from the bottom. So you have a widow, and, a, and she's got her own property. And she's getting married, she's getting remarried. And she doesn't want that this new guy should have all of her property. She doesn't want that, right? She doesn't want that she'll get married. And then um, while she's married, he's eating all the fruits. And then if she dies, he inherits these properties. For whatever reason, she want, she doesn't want that because they get married, he should have access to all of her properties. So what does she do? So again, she wanted to just basically chase him away. Like she wanted to keep away these properties. So she was looking for a loophole. That if she comes into the marriage and she's got these properties, and they're hers, but he can chap around the Paris, and if she dies, he chaps him around. So now... But, but, um, she doesn't want that. Kasavtinu libarto. So she wrote all of her property to her daughter. And she comes into the marriage and she says, I got nothing. I don't have no properties. Oh yeah, my daughter, she's got a lot of property. I got nothing. In Siva, and she got married. Me, Garsha, and she got divorced. And now what? She wants her properties back. She gave them to her daughter. She wanted them back, but she gave them to her daughter. But she only gave them to her daughter as like a. She was looking for a loophole. She only gave them to her. She didn't want to actually give her property to her daughter. She wanted to give. She wanted to give her property to her daughter only so that this guy she was marrying wouldn't get him. But they're not married anymore, and now she wants her property back. I saw the comment of Nachman, so they came before of Nachman, and the daughter takes out the 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 document and says, "Look, I have a document saying that my mother gave me all these properties. They're mine now." Kare Rav Nachman the story. Rav Nachman chapterayin the document, tore it up, tore it up. Also Rav Anan the kamei de Ma'ukva. So Rav Anan comes before Ma'ukva. Amar lechazim al Nachman chakloya heichi mikra story de inche. So Rav Anan comes to Ma'ukva now. He he went to Ma'ukva. We had we had we had a similar dialogue with Rav Anan and Ma'ukva the other day. With Rav Huna, remember Rav Anan called Rav Huna Huna Chavrin? Anyways, so, so in this case as well, so Rav Hanan goes to my Ukve, who is the Abbezdin, excuse me, Babylon, Rav And then, um, so, so he goes to my Ukve, and he says, Omele Chazimar Nachman Chakloya Hechi Makra Shtar Dinshe. And Rav Anan says to my Ukve, look, do you see how not, what is it called? 
Nachman Chakloya. Nachman the farmer. Interesting. Kilu, Rav Nachman doesn't know what he's doing. Hechimakwa Shtari Dinche. I was just tearing up people's valid documents. Right? This girl came to court with a document that says that her mother sold her all of her property and Rav Nachman was just tearing it up. Omarle. So Marukva says, wait a second. Emily easy gufa de uvda echi ava. Marukva says, tell me exactly what happened. So Avonin says, This was the case. There was a woman. She was getting married. She gave all the properties to her daughter. Omar Leh to Marukva says, Marukva says to him, Ah, you're talking about a document. You're talking about a document that its sole purpose was really just to keep the husband away, but not actually to give the property to the daughter. says the name of Shmuel. That Shmuel says that I am, right, uh, as, as Rashi points out, says uh, Rashi, third line of the page, Notati Rishus Merej Gelusa, Kedamini Perekam the Sanetjin, the Mahani Rishusa, Vluyayvi Rishusa, El Levaki Badover. That Shmuel says that, that's actually super interesting, that Shmuel says that he was appointed by the Exilarch as someone who can, be more halacha, can uh, sort of preside law. If that makes sense, rule law things, make laws, make rulings, be a judge, thing, decider, law, decider. In Yavu Shtar Mavrachas Liyadin, Shmuel says that if a document like this, a Shtar Mavrachas, a document that was created with the intent of just, you know, keeping someone away, Akra Enu says, Shmuel, I will tear it up if somebody actually tries to sort of collect with that, to enforce that in Bezdin. Look, it's a shtama of rachas. It was only created as a, as a loophole to keep somebody away. It doesn't actually have validity. Amalei Rava, the Rav Nachman. So Rava says to Rav Nachman. So one second. So Rava says to Rav Nachman, there was the story with the woman and the daughter. She was keeping the property away from her husband. And Rava says to Rav Nachman, so I know that you tore up the document. So did you tear up the document because you were assuming like Shmuel? Because you're assuming like Shmuel who says that when you have a Shtarma Brachas, Shmuel said he would tear it up. But time am I. Why would, Rav is asking of Nachman, I, you know, I, I would assume that, why would Shmuel tear up a Shtarma Brachas? Because a person isn't just going to like give all his stuff to another person. But that makes sense if it's literally like a stranger, somebody else, or just another person not related. But Rav asked of Nachman, wouldn't, wouldn't I say that a mother would be happy to give her property to her daughter? So in that case, I wouldn't consider it to be a Shtama Rachas. I would think, Rav Nachman, that it should be a valid document and that, uh, you know, the daughter should be able to enforce the document. But uh, the Gemara says that's, that's not the case. Even, even so, even if it's a, even though it's a mother and daughter, Still, the mother wants her property, and therefore, if she's writing this document just to keep it away from her husband, right, from her new husband, so then it would be considered a shtarma vrachas, and the daughter won't be able to actually collect with it, and that's why Rav Nachman tore it up. Meisve, we have a kashe. If you have a woman who wants to keep away her property from her husband, so what does she do? So she writes a document to other people to say like, look, can you take my property? That is what Reb Shimon Ben Gamliel says. 
Okay, as Rashi says, "Star pasim, star piusim, shemefayas lekabel matanes or lafkias chuzbay lekod misun veloshe yizke mekabel zeboin." But that the receiver shouldn't actually be able to receive them, right? So she writes to this other guy, "Look, you know, you can have all my stuff, but she doesn't actually intend for 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 him to have them." That's what Shimon Gamliel's opinion. But Chachamim, the Chachamim say, "Rotsu mitzachik ba that no." I think people are yelling. If, yep, people are definitely yelling. Yep, there's yelling. Yelling is happening. Yelling is definitely happening. Whereas the Chachamim say that if the fellow wants, he can act upon it. That if she's giving away her property to some fellow before she gets married, if she then comes back later, let's say after they get divorced and say, look, I want it back, he could say, no way, no how. Unless she writes in the document, Me'ayom, that it's yours from today, and until I want to take it back. And as long as I want it to be in place, in force. But as uh, once I want it back, it's mine. Time the kozva lehochi. So the reason why she can get it back is because she specifically wrote that into the document, right? It's like a, she made a smart contract. She made a condition in a smart contract that says that, uh, I guess at a certain Based on a certain condition, it goes back to her. So time the chazva lehochi, alo chazva lehochi, kanani lokeach. But if she doesn't program that into the smart contract, so then it, um, so then it will belong to the borrower. So why was Rav Nachman and Shmuel? Why are they assuming that just because she gave it to her daughter to keep it away from her husband, that it makes it a shama rachas and it can be torn up? We have this Bryce that says that it's only, she can only take back her stuff if she writes that into the document. But as long as she doesn't write it into the document, she can't take it back. So, well, it depends how much she gave away. If she's giving away absolutely everything, so then she doesn't need to write that condition. It's obvious that she wouldn't be giving away absolutely everything that she owns permanently. And therefore, she can take it back even without writing that stipulation to the contract. But if she only gave away part of her property, well, then maybe she is giving it away and she would have to write into the contract that when she wants to get it back, it's hers. So now, as you may have been wondering throughout this entire discussion, I don't understand. So if it doesn't really belong to the borrower, uh, to, to, to the person who she's writing it over to, right? She has all the property. She's writing it over to some guy. And we're saying it doesn't really belong to him. Well, if it doesn't really belong to him, well, then it should really belong to the husband. But So... Well, we treat it like property that is unknown to the husband, like Rib Shimon, right? Rib Shimon had said, Rib Shimon had said that, um, what did Rib Shimon say? Rib Shimon had said that if there are these properties that are unknown to the husband, so then he can't chap maran. So, so here also we treat these um, properties that have been like given over to this other person, even though she'll be able to get them back in the future, we treat it like property that is unknown to the husband, and um, according to Reb Shimon, that she would not be able to collect them back. Oh wait, what? No, and what am I saying? And and therefore, he, the, the husband would not be able to, um, you know, eat the fruits and 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 chap maran. Now we get to a new Mishnah. Enough look, soften. Interesting. What if she gets money? She gets cash, right? So we've been talking about where the wife inherits property. So if she inherits property, the principal belongs to her and the husband can enjoy the fruits. What if she inherits 
money. How does that work in terms of the principle and the fruits? Well, the solution is she takes the money, invests it in property, and then once there's property, she, the, she owns the property, he gets the fruits. Paris had solution in a if she inherits fruit that is detached from the ground, so sell the fruit, take the money, invest it in property, and then he can eat the fruits from that property. Paris if she inherits fruits that are connected to the ground, below Paris. Says Mayor, what so what you do is that um, so so you evaluate the land. How much is the land worth without the fruits? How much is the land worth with the fruits? And the difference between those two prices is the uh, is the price of the fruit. And then he pays her for those um, fruits. And then that um, money is used to uh, purchase uh, land. Okay. They use that money to purchase land. And then he can eat the fruits of that land. Well, there are people yelling outside. My neighbor is about to yell at them like crazy. It's interesting. You can't really enjoy yourself in the park because my neighbor is just going to yell at you. It's an interesting situation. But the mice, it's a kind of funny situation because, of course, they're bothering me because I'm, I'm recording Babylon Talmud. So I wouldn't really mind if she yells at them. But at the same time, I mean, I guess technically they are allowed to be in the park. <laughs> so, so according to a mayor, you find the price of the... Uh, fruits that are connected to the ground, right? So you figure out the price of the fruits and then he pays her for that and then she buys land and then he eats the fruits from the land. That, no, whatever is connected to the ground, this is. So meaning if she inherits land and the land has fruits, so automatically, immediately, the fruits go to him and he can enjoy them. So you don't need to like sell anything. Oh, is she yelling at them? Uh, I'm not sure. And whatever fruits have been disconnected from the ground belong to her. And then you sell those fruits, use the money to buy property, and then eats the fruits from that property. Where he has the advantage at the, entry, at the beginning of their marriage or at the beginning of the, the inheritance of this property. If they get divorced, so then he has he right, he has the disadvantage. Where he has a disadvantage uh, at the beginning, at the entrance, he has an advantage um, when the marriage right, when when if they get divorced. What does this mean? Like the Chacham said that if you have um, if the wife inherits property and the property has fruits and the fruits are connected to the ground, so those fruits belong to him, as the Chacham said. But if they get divorced, so then the, the fruits belong to her. Now, fruits that are detached from the ground, uh, initially they belong to her and then you sell them and then... Um, Take the uh, and then um, you know use the money to buy property. But if they get divorced, so then they belong to him. Fruits that have been detached from the ground. Okay. Says the Gemara, Pshita Ara Uvate Ara. Okay. So if there is you know an option between purchasing land and purchasing uh, a house, so then. Um, Certainly, right, if there's money, they can use the money to buy land or to buy a house, ara. Uh, the land, right, we go with the land. 
Bate v'dikle bate houses and palm trees, date palms, houses. Dikle v'ilne dikle. If it's between date palms and um, other fruit trees, date palms. Ilne v'gufne ilne. If it's between uh, other fruit trees and um, grapevines, other fruit trees. Ibazardisa, a forest of um, sorb trees, which I guess don't produce any right, fruit, like edible fruit. Ufer the kavre, ufir the kavre, or um, fish ponds. Amila perva, amila karna. Some say it, those would be considered fruits. Some those some, and they would go to him. Some say it would be considered um, uh, principal. Klal demilsa gizomachlif perva and gizomachlif karna. If it's something that you can swap out and immediately it produces more, so that would be considered paris. But uh, if not, it would be considered the principal amount. All right. So now this is interesting. What if a fellow steals the offspring of an animal of Milog? What is that talking about? Wait, Babylon. So what if she brings in animals? Right? So let's say she brings in a cow. So, the cow belongs to her, but if the cow has a calf, so the calf would be considered the paris, and that would belong to the husband. So now if a fellow comes along and steals the calf, so Vlad Bema, right, so Agonev Vlad, what? Agonev Vlad Bema's Melog, if Agonev steals a calf from a Behemoth's Melog of an animal that's the Nikse Melog, Wow. So I bet you were thinking that who would get the double payment when he pays back the animal? I would think the husband, right? It's considered the fruits, right? The, the, the cow is the Karen and the calf is the Paris. I would think if somebody steals that and they have to pay double payment, it should be double payment to the husband because he stole the Paris. But we're saying, we're saying that the double payment goes to the wife. Now, of course, right, if you steal something, so then you have to pay twice, right? You don't just pay back the, the same amount. You pay back twice the amount that you stole. And that's what we're talking about. So come on, that sounds like it's neither like the rabbis nor like Hanani the Tanya. As we're learning the price of Vlad, Bemas Milog, Lival. So the offspring of a Milog animal goes to the husband. So if you have a cow, if you have a cow and it gives birth to a calf, that calf belongs to the husband. Vlad Shifras Melog Isha. However, the offspring of a, um, however, the offspring of a Melog maidservant, so she brings in to, to the, um, marriage a Shifra Kneinis. If she brings into the marriage a Shifra Kneinis, so the offspring from the Shifra, the Shifra Kneinis belongs to the wife. Mechanania ben Achiyoshia Omer says, Chanani ben Achiyosha, Osu Vlad Shifras Milog, Kivlad Bemas Milog. That they make the, that, that, uh, that, says, Chanani ben Achiyosha, that we treat the offspring of a Shifra Kneinis of Milog, like the offspring of a Behemas Milog, i.e., that the offspring goes to the husband. So, we see that both according to the Chacham, and according to Chanani, the offspring of a Behemas Milog, goes to the 
husband. And yet, we're saying that if you steal this this child of Ba'amas Melog, the kefal goes to the wife. No, you could say that this idea with kefal, even is according to both the Chacham and Chananye, Look, the Chachamim and Hanani both agree that the offspring of, 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 of Bemas Melog goes to the husband, right? So if you have a cow of Melog and then you have a, a calf, so the calf goes to the husband. But if that calf gets stolen and now we're talking about the double payment, so Peri the Peri, that's the fruit of the fruit, right? The fruit is the calf, but the fruit of the fruit is the double payment that they would receive if it gets stolen. So that double payment goes to the wife. The calf goes to the husband, the double payment goes to the wife. Right? So Peira Takinu Lerabanan, Peira de Peira Lo Takinu Lerabanan. Bishlam and Chananya. So now the Gemara says, okay. Now, I understand the opinion of Chananya. So I understand Chananya's opinion. Chananya's opinion is that you can have an animal of Milog, you can have a Shifcha of Milog, and in both cases, if they give birth, the offspring would be considered fruits, Paris, and they would go to the husband. And he's not concerned, well, what if the shifcha dies? What if the uh, animal dies? Then you won't have any karen left. So if you don't have any karen left, then it's not nichse melog, where you have karen and Paris. So therefore, right, but Hananya and the Chachamim, according to the according to Hananya, he's not concerned that the shifcha is going to pass away or that the animal is going to die. And therefore, the shifcha would be considered the karen, the animal would be considered the karen, and their respective Offspring would be considered the Paris, and it's both for, and they belong to the husband, both by the Shifcha and by the Behemoth. So, Bishlam al Hanani, I understand Hanani's opinion, we're not concerned that the animal or that Shifcha is going to die. Ella, Rabbanan, I don't understand the opinion of the rabbis who say that by the animal, the offspring would go to the husband, i.e., we're not concerned that it's going to die, yet by the Shifcha, the offspring goes to the wife, i.e. it's not considered malog, that we're concerned that the, that the, that the, that the, uh, shifcha might pass away. So if we're concerned for misa, well then I feel of lad bemas malog nami. Well then we should be concerned that the animal will also die and it shouldn't be a situation of malog and the child shouldn't go to the husband. Right? So, and if we're not concerned that uh, about death. Well, then I feel of lad shifchas milog nami. Well, then even if we're not concerned about death, well, then the shifcha should also be considered milog, and the child of the shifcha should go to the husband. So why do the chacham say that it goes to the wife? So the olam chay misa. So really, the rabbis are concerned about misa. So if they're concerned about misa, then how come by the animal the offspring goes to the husband? The shiny because behema is different. The ika erva. Oh, I'm sorry, the ika ora. Because there's the hide, meaning an animal that dies doesn't lose its its value 100% because there's nonetheless the hide that will still belong to the woman. So therefore, there's always going to be some form of karen because there's going to be some corn of, uh, uh, will go to the wife. And therefore, because there's going to be some form of karen, so it would be considered milog and the husband gets the offspring. But by a shifcha, if the shifcha passes away, then there's no karen anymore. You lose the karen and therefore it's not milog and therefore the husband cannot get the offspring. Omar Ravuna Barchia Omar Shmuel Alachi Khananye. Ravuna Barchia says that Alachi is like Khananye. That Alachi is like Khananye. That there's no distinction between uh, Shifra and Behema. Omar Ravi Omar Ravnachman. Avagavda Omar Shmuel Alachi Khananye. 
even though Shmuel says nonetheless admits that if she gets divorced, is dumb no that um, that um, you know even though the like that that the offspring of the shifcha belongs to the husband, if they get in the event that they get divorced, um, she would pay the husband for the offspring back out of the uh, sort of um, a glory of her father's house, right? That she wouldn't want the shvachos of the, the, the offspring of, of the shvachos to belong to him if they're getting divorced. She would want the offspring, and therefore um, she would buy, she would pay the husband for the offspring and take them with her. That if she brings into the marriage a um, a goat for its milk, also or a sheep for its uh, uh, wool, the or a chicken for its eggs, and a date palm for its fruits, um, he can eat it until there's no longer right until there's no longer any karen left. because so, meaning there's always going to be something left, right? Meaning if there is a uh, sheep or a goat, there's always going to be the hides. If there is a date palm, there's always going to be the wood. If there is a chicken, there's always going to be the feathers. And therefore, there's always going to be some principle left, and therefore, he can consume the uh, fruits. Omer, Rav Nachman, Ailele, Glima, says of Nachman that if she brings in a garment, Perahave, they're considered fruits, and and he can sort of enjoy wearing the garment, until it gets worn out and unusable anymore, and then she can keep the worn out garment, and that's the Karen. Kimanu zalaiki aitanis like the following tana detanya melech vachol areze peris that if um, she uh, inherits like a, a a salt kind of place where you get salt from or a place where you get sand from they're never really going to run out and therefore areze peris he can enjoy the fruits pier shel gofris but a thing of like sulfur machpor shel tsrif or alum what's alum is alum related to aluminum we should uh, aluminium. We should ask my, my cousin Mark. He was uh, like an aluminum executive. Maybe my mom will ask him. He's a good man, Mark Bodner. Good man. Good, good man. There's a lot of good people in my family. So, Gophers, Machpores, Shaltzrif, Rebmeir, Omer, Karen, Machachom, Omer, Paris. So, so, so Rebmeir says um, that it would be considered uh, Karen. Uh, the principal amount, the chachamim and peris, the chachamim say would be considered uh, fruit because as long as there's like going to be a little bit left over, so it would be considered that there's karen there, and therefore she would be able to, he would be able to enjoy the fruits, and therefore uh, that's like Rav Nachman who says that this worn out garment would be considered uh, enough karen that he'd be able to enjoy wearing the garment, which would be considered the peris. Naflula avodim says in the Mishnah that if she um, gets avodim uh, ushvachis. Zikanim, but they're old, and therefore there's a chance that they might pass away. In which case, you know, so you karka. What she should do is she should sell them, and then um, use the money to buy karka, which isn't going to go anywhere. Paris, and then he can enjoy the fruits from the um, karka. 
Reb Shimon ben Gamliel Amar says, Reb Shimon Gamliel lo timkor do not sell them pnei shehin shvach beis avia because they're considered the glory of her father's household. Do not sell the avadim and the shvachis. Nafla zeisim gufanim if she gets um, olives and uh, like olive trees and grapevines zekenim if they're old yimachru they should be sold v'ilokach but in karke and then um, use the proceeds to buy property v'ochal peris. And he can enjoy the um, fruits from that property. Rabbi Yehud Omer says, Rabbi Yehud do not sell the olive trees and the grapevines because they are the glory of her father's household. Omer of Kana says, the mother of Kana says, Amarav, the name of Rab, Machlokas, Shenofu, Bisoda, Shelo. So says of Kana in the name of Rab that this Machlokas about the grapevines and the olive trees, about should she sell them, should she not sell them, are they considered the glory of her father's household? So, so it, so that machlokas is if she owns the field. She owns the trees, she owns the field. So, you know, even if the, um, olive trees die or the grapevines die, she still at least has the field. So, but if she doesn't own the field, if she, if her father, you know, if her, if her family only owned the, uh, vines, but the field belonged to somebody else, well then, everybody says that she should sell, sell them, me from the kokaya kaino, because if the if the trees die, well then she's gonna have nothing left. That it's similar to when she doesn't own the field, i.e. if they die, everything is gone. and yet there's a machlokas, but is it considered shvach beisavir or not? Eli itma rather if it was stated it was like stated like this, machlokas is when the field does not belong to her, which is similar to Avadum Shvachis. And that if the trees die, then she loses everything. But if the field belongs to her, then everyone agrees that she should not sell them because of the glory of her father's um, household. Well, friends, that was the Ayn Tess of Mesechta Ksubis. Friends, there was a lot of interesting stuff there. We talked about Shtar Mavrachas, right? If you write a Shtar, if you write a Shtar just to keep somebody away. And we said that basically um, you can do that. Uh, now, if you give away all of your properties, then you don't you know you don't even need to write any special stipulations. But if it's only part of your property, then you, you're gonna have to write that. Look, when I want to get it back, I can get it back. We talked about what happens if she inherits money, so she uses money to buy the uh, property. We saw machlokas with the chachamim and Reb Meir about what right. So, well, the Mishnah had said that if the there are fruits on the Okay, one second. So how does it work? So, so, so use the money to buy property, and then the property belongs to her, and the payers, the fruits go to the husband. Now, if uh, she inherited, if there were loose fruits on the property, then those uh, fruits you sell, use the proceeds to buy more property, and then she gets that that property, and the husband gets the fruits. If they, um, if the fruits were connected to the ground, so according to a mayor, what you would do is you would find the value of the fruits alone. Sell those and then use that to buy more property. According to Chacham, fruits that were are still connected to the trees would belong to him, and he can enjoy them. Reb, Meir, uh, Reb Shimon says that there's a difference between coming into the marriage and 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 when she inherits the properties and if they get divorced. That um, when it comes to the uh, wait, did I skip a shtickle? Oh wow, I skipped a shtickle. Okay, we'll have to go back in a second. Um, okay, anyways, Chacham say that, no, so Kwanjo Shimon, um, like the Chachamim, that when 
if the if the if the uh, fruits are connected to the ground, so then they belong to him. But if the fruits are connected to the ground, when the, when um, she leaves, right? If they get divorced, then they belong to her. Now, if the fruits are separated from the ground, when when she gets the property, they belong to her. But when they leave, they would belong to him. Friends, we skipped the shtick on the Gemara. I skipped the line, so let's go back and do them. Uh, in the middle of that fine testament base, so that where he has an advantage at the beginning. So So says the Gemara by the two dots right before the Mishnah in the middle of Ein Testament base. That Reb Shimon seems to be saying the same thing as the Tanakama, which is that um, when she inherits the property, any fruits that are connected to the ground belong to him. So, yeah, but what if they're connected to the ground when they get divorced? According to Reb Shimon, they would belong to her. Uh, according to the Chacham, they would belong to him. Friends, that was Daf Ein Tesem Masechta. Ksubis, hope enjoy. Peace out.